0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor Thanks, and
1: welcome to the show Right off the bat, it's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden
2: Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden <laughs>
3: time once again for another
4: comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, in the daily life of Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, teaching itself only takes up a portion of her time. This leaves a number of free hours each day to pursue an outside interest.
5: But it doesn't leave quite enough free hours, especially since my outside interest refuses to stand still long enough for me to drop a net over him.
3: (laughs) In
6: fact,
5: lately, I've even considered taking up another outside activity besides Mr. Boynton. Like the one my landlady began recently. Mrs. Davis was quite reticent about her hobby until last Wednesday morning at breakfast when she gave me a
7: broad hint. Notice anything different about the table this morning, Connie? Well, the big cats abstain in front of my place is gone. (laughs)
5: It's under your egg cup, dear
3: (laughs)
7: Yes, again Oh, of course The big bowl of apples in the center What a delicious display (laughs) I'm glad you like it, Connie It's a hat (laughs) (laughs) Who designed it, William Tell? (laughs) No, I did You probably don't know this, but years ago, I used to design hats like mad. Why, you mad hatter, you.
3: (laughs) I
5: never
7: would have suspected. You seem so normal in some other respects. (laughs) Well, I haven't had the yen in years, but last week my brother Victor sent me some samples of the material his firm makes, and you know my brother Victor, don't you? I've heard you speak of him quite often. (laughs) He's a peculiar man, Victor. Rather a slow-moving type of fellow, but once he gets interested in something, he follows right through. The last couple of years, he's been up to his ears in plastics. No wonder he's (laughs) slow-moving.
5: But what What has plastic got to do with your designing hats again?
7: That's what they're made of. I'll bet you never even noticed that this is really two hats in one. Two in one? Yes. Worn this way, it looks like a bowl of apples. But when you turn it around like this, it's a sparrow.
5: (laughs) Well, what a novel idea. If you're out with a man you like, you tempt him with an apple. And if your date is
7: a drip, he gets the bird. I've got four of them all made up so far. They should be easy to sell with Mother's Day coming this Sunday.
5: Well, I don't know, Mrs. Davis. They're a bit unusual for
7: popular consumption, I'm afraid. Not if they're presented right, Connie. And that's where you come in. I want you to help me sell them at school. Me? Yes. If you sell all four of them, I'll deduct. Half of the back rent you owe me. And it shouldn't be difficult to sell them. It isn't as if they were hard to move. Not if the wind is right.
5: (laughs) Of course, if I could reduce
7: my debt to you, that... Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He's driving me down to school. Come on in, Walter. Try to sell him one for his mother, Connie. I'll get into the kitchen and rustle up some goodies for Walter's inner man. Better get some for his outer man,
5: too. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Greetings! I'm the scholastic firm. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> It's a little early for me to twinkle, Walter, but sit down. You're going to have a bit of breakfast with us, aren't you?
8: Well, I might be persuaded to partake of a wee morsel if you coax me.
5: And if I don't coax you? You couldn't be that cruel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. What'll it be? French toast? Eggs? Griddle cake? Fine. Mrs. Davis Yes, Connie Walter's here Vacuum the kitchen and bring in the bag (laughs)
7: I'm eat up a giant omelet for
8: him,
5: dear He's the little giant that can eat it (laughs) No, I don't know
8: what's happening at home But my mother just doesn't seem to be making the breakfast she used to Well, maybe she's
5: just worn out Well, she does cook an awful lot of meals for us. Of course she does, Walter. And while we're on the subject, how much thought have you given to her Mother's Day gift?
8: Oh, quite a bit. And I've come up with something that should show her how grateful I am for all she's done for me. I'm going to get her a present that'll make her forget the many menial and arduous tasks she performs in my behalf. What's the present? A bottle of sweet air for the kitchen. (laughs) Miss Brooks
5: It smells
3: I
8: mean, it smells very pleasant Of course, I'd like to get her something else, too But on my allowance, unless my dad chips in I couldn't afford much
5: Walter, I have a suggestion for a gift That your dad will be happy to chip in for Just look at the center of this table Holy cow, is it alive? (laughs) Certainly not It happens to be a woman's hat A woman's hat?
3: Joking, of course. (laughs)
5: Joking, nothing. I'm wearing it to school this morning. Say, that'd make a wonderful decoration for our dining room table at home.
8: A mother always likes to have something gay and colorful in the center of the table. That's what I
5: say. It would make a wonderful decoration for your dining room table at home.
2: Wait up a minute, Miss Brooks. Who's that? It's me, Tex Barton. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy,
5: Tex. <laughs>
2: you seem in a hurry, ma'am. Why, when I flagged you, you was a barreling across this campus like a doggie that just smelled a brandon iron.
5: <laughs> well, it's not that bad. Although I do have to see Mr. Conklin before class.
2: Well, I... Glory be to Sam Houston... And hallelujah to Dave Dallas. What's up? (laughs) Miss Brooks, have you any idea of the activity that's going on up there in the upper regions of your anatomy? What? Skin me for a lizard if there ain't a sparrow eating apples off in your skull.
5: (laughs) Now, calm down, Tex. This is just a new style of hat.
2: A hat? Well, you could have fooled me.
5: By the way, Mother's Day is just around the corner. Have you decided on a gift for your mother yet?
2: I've been thinking a lot about that, Miss Brooks, but it's kind of tough to figure out what it please, Mom. Maybe I can help you. I doubt it, ma'am. For Christmas, Pa and I got her some brand-new riding boots and stirrups. And for her birthday, we got her a chaps and a stepson. Uh, and for Easter, uh, we decked her out in a spanking new box of saddles. So. So, you see, she's got just about everything a normal woman needs A normal
5: woman who's competing in a rodeo, you mean (laughs) Look, Tex, a hat like the one I'm wearing would make a lovely gift And it's only ten dollars
3: It
2: sure is flashy, Miss Brooks And Pa and I could afford that much But there's a couple of things that have to be done to it first For instance? Well, do you think you could make two holes in it? Holes? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, so her ears could come through.
5: So her ears could come through? Tex, your mother must have a very low forehead.
2: Well, I wouldn't give it to my mother, Miss Brooks. I'd just be getting it for my mother to give to Lucy. Lucy? She's our horse.
3: <laughs> she
2: sure will look beautiful in it.
5: I'm sure she will, Tex. You can pick up the half at Mrs. Davis's today.
2: Today? When would be a good time, ma'am?
5: The same time you leave the
3: $10.
8: But, Daddy, please be reasonable. There isn't time for me to pick out your Mother's Day gift.
9: I didn't ask you into my office to argue, Harriet. I should think you'd want to see your mother receive a nice present.
8: I do, Daddy, and I'm getting her one with most of my allowance. But your gift to her is something else again She always expects something outstanding
9: Well, obviously, my dear She married me, didn't she?
8: (laughs) Yes, but about other things She's pretty particular (laughs) I mean, well, I wouldn't mind Selecting something for you But you always insist that I find a bargain
9: There's nothing wrong with being frugal, Harriet It's a bit... Come in
5: Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Hello, Harriet. Hi, Miss
3: Brooks.
9: Hello, Miss... Good grief! Something has alighted on your hair. But,
3: Mr. Conklin...
9: Don't stand there, Harriet. Get a net. (laughs) Maybe we can trap it for our nature study group.
5: (laughs) It happens to be a hat, Mr. Conklin. It's very exciting, Miss Brooks. Now, if you'll excuse me, Daddy, Very
9: well, but I'll talk to you later, Miss Important.
8: Bye, Miss Brooks.
5: Mr. Conklin, knowing how fond of brevity you are, I'll come right to the point of my visit. Sunday is Mother's Day. How would you like to buy a hat like this for Mrs. Conklin?
9: For Mrs. Conklin?
5: Yes, don't you think she deserves something like this?
9: Well, she has been a source of great irritation on occasion. (laughs) No, no, I'm not interested, Miss Brooks.
5: If I can sell one of these hats, it will help get me out of debt, Mr. Conklin. Besides, it's a real bargain.
9: I'm sorry, I'm definitely
5: not in the Did you say a bargain, Miss (laughs) Brooks? Yes, sir. Much cheaper than you can get it on the open market. Where did you get it? Let's just say I have access, Mr. Conklin.
9: These hats aren't hot, are they?
5: (laughs) Hottest thing in town. Oh, you mean stolen. No, sir, they're not stolen. Although you could call them a steal at $10 each. $10? For a few apples and a small sparrow? (laughs) It's evident, Mr. Conklin, that you haven't heard how meat and fruit have gone up. (laughs) But think of how exclusive this hat is. Well,
9: for my wife, it would have to be, Miss Brooks. She has an absolute fanatic uh, 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 approach and... Uh, on individualized apparel she wouldn't be caught dead in anything that even resembled what someone else was wearing
5: Mr Conklin when it comes to this hat I give you my unqualified guarantee You do Absolutely believe me she won't be caught dead in it <laughs>
4: Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental Cream it cleans your breath. What a toothpaste! While it cleans your teeth, Colgate toothpaste cleans your breath. What a toothpaste! While it cleans your teeth, Colgate Dental Cream cleans your breath. While it cleans your, your, your teeth, and the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate dental cream, helped stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. And stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental cream. It cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way, stops tooth decay best. <laughs>
5: By the time I was to meet Mr. Boynton at lunch, I had sold three of the four hats Mrs. Davis had made up. One to Walter Denton for his mother to be used as a table centerpiece, one to Tex Barton for his horse to be used as an eye shade, and one to Mr. Conklin for his wife to be used, of all things, as a hat. I had the sample hat on when Mr. Boynton came over to our table.
10: Hello, Miss Brooks. Sorry I'm late. I couldn't get here any sooner.
5: That's all right, Mr. Boynton. Put down your tray. Thank you. Notice anything different about me today?
10: Different? Let's see. Well, for heaven's sake, I, I apologize for being late. You oughtn't to go to such lengths to chide me about it.
5: To chide
10: you? Well, yes, after all, this is a public eating place. You shouldn't balance your dessert on your head. <laughs>
5: Boynton, this happens to be a hat.
10: I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm afraid I dropped my cutlery.
5: You should be more careful, Mr. Boynton. That knife might have dented your meatloaf. Oh, I'm I'm sorry I frightened you so. Oh,
3: I
10: I should be used to sights like this. When I was a kid, my mother always had some fantastic creations around the house.
5: Really? How many brothers and sisters did you have? Oh, you mean that. (laughs) Well, may I remind you, Mr. Boynton, that Mother's Day will soon be with us?
10: Well, so will my mother. (laughs) Yes, she's coming down this afternoon to stay through the weekend. Unfortunately, Dad has to stay home on business, but Mom and I are going to have a high old time.
5: Have you made all of your plans for celebrating the holiday, Mr. Barton?
10: Yes, indeed. Oh, it's going to be one mad world for the both of us. I've got a four-day itinerary all mapped out.
5: Oh, what are you going to do?
10: Well, on Thursday, I thought I'd show Mom the new wing of our public library. Friday, we'll we'll do the Museum of Natural History, and, and Saturday, we'll have a go at the Botanical Gardens. Wow Well, there's not going to be any let-up in the evenings, either If we're not playing chess or checkers, I'll whip out the old domino set Uh, By the way, can you think of anything that might add to the
5: merriment, Miss Brooks? Yes, but I think the morgue is closed on (laughs) weekends That is, I do have a suggestion that might be quite a surprise for your mother. Oh, what is it? Why don't you get her a nice hat? You said yourself that she used to like unique hats. Uh,
10: I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm not interested.
5: Oh, that's too bad, Mr. Boynton. It's a real bargain.
10: Well, I'd like to get her something, of course, but this is just out of... Did you say a bargain?
5: <laughs> oh, never Missus. <laughs>
10: Where did you get the hat, Miss Brooks?
5: The truth is I'm disposing of them for Mrs. Davis. They're only $10
10: apiece. <laughs> $10 <a> piece!
5: <laughs> get your jaw out of the potatoes and I'll make it... <laughs> I,
10: I guess we could arrive at some sort of a deal, Miss Brooks, but there's one thing of which I, I must be certain. What's that? Well, that my mother doesn't see any other woman wearing a hat like it. Mom's a fanatic on individualized apparel.
5: I'll sell her the very one I'm modeling today, Mr. Boynton. Bring her over to my place about 8.30 tonight, and we'll surprise her with it.
10: All right, but you're sure now that she'll be the only woman to have this particular hat?
5: While she's in town, your mother will be the only woman seen wearing this particular hat.
10: Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get myself some some dessert now, Miss Brooks. Uh, Would you like me to bring something back for you?
5: Yes, I would, Mr. Boynton. I'd like a Coke. The five-cent size will do. Very well. That's all I want right now, Mr. Boynton. Okay. (laughs) Oh, here.
10: Thanks, and I'll just be a minute, Miss
3: Brooks.
5: Take your time, Sporty. (laughs) Somebody's got to teach him that money isn't everything, especially my money. (laughs) Oh, well. Uh,
9: Hello, Miss Brooks. I thought I'd find you here. May I speak with you for a moment?
5: Oh, of course, Mr. Conklin. Thank
9: you, thank you. Now, about that hat I agreed to buy for my wife, I want it to be a complete surprise. She mustn't see it until Sunday.
5: I'll say she mustn't. I mean, it it wouldn't be a surprise if she did.
9: Now, there's one important factor we overlooked in our discussion this morning, Miss Brooks. I neglected to give you my wife's measurements.
5: Well, I'll take them right now. How far apart are your wife's ears?
9: (laughs) How far apart are her ears?
5: Sorry, that was another customer. (laughs) What is her head size?
9: Well, I don't know, but I'll find out this afternoon and check with you at home this evening. uh, What would be a good time?
5: After midnight. That is, (laughs) any time, sir, any time at all. Now, you must have many more important things to do, and I'll be happy to excuse you, sir. If you really have to dash away, I know how those things are. I've had things to do myself. Uh,
3: I'm expecting someone... Mr.
9: Brooks, (laughs) I don't quite comprehend this conversational St. Vitus dance you're indulging in. But if you're always this nervous during mealtime, it's a wonder you haven't got an ulcer.
5: Oh, I had an ulcer, Mr. Conklin. I had a nice big one two years after I began teaching school.
9: You did? How did you get rid
5: of it? I just couldn't afford to keep it.
7: I don't know what you're so jittery about, Connie. Everything's gone swimmingly so far. Walter Denton picked up the hat for his mother during lunch period. I know, Mrs. Davis. And Tex but... Barton came over right after school to get the specially prepared one you phoned me about. My goodness, but his mother must have long ears.
5: <laughs> you want to see his mother's mane? I mean, those aren't the ones I'm jittery about. It's Mr. Conklin
7: and Mr. Boynton. I promised them both that they were buying a completely original creation. Well, they are that collie. The fact that they're identical shouldn't bother you. After all, Mrs. Boynton will be leaving town right after Mother's Day. Yes, but Mr. Boynton's
5: bringing her here tonight to pick it up, and Mr. Conklin will want his wife's hat as soon as he gives me her measurement. But if he runs into Mrs. Boynton anywhere before Sunday... Now, now,
7: calm down, dear, calm down. When do you expect the Boynton? Now! Now! <laughs> Now, uh, well, I'll go make some tea and you let them in. Mrs. Boynton's hat is right on the hall table, Connie. Thanks.
10: Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. You remember my mother.
5: I'll never forget her. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Boynton. Come in for a second. How are you, Connie? It's been ages since I've seen you.
10: Oh, Mom couldn't wait to see your surprise, Miss
5: Brooks. Oh, then I'll get it for her right away. Meanwhile, just help yourself to some fruit on this hall table. That is, as soon as the sparrow gets through helping himself. (laughs) That is, here's your new hat. How do you like it? Well, it's certainly different. Oh, I knew you'd love it. Well, now that you've seen it, I don't want to keep you and Mr. Boynton another minute. You must have lots to talk over, so don't stand on ceremonies. Just toddle right along, and I'll see you later in the week. Bye. We're really
10: in no great rush, Miss Brooks.
5: Uh, As a matter of fact, (laughs) Philip suggested that we might spend the evening with you. Oops.
10: I told Mom you'd jump at the idea.
5: I thought we'd play a few games of checkers, Connie. I'll never forget how exciting it was the last time we played. There was one crowning after another. You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) But I'm afraid I can't ask you to stay for checkers, Mrs. Boynton. Mrs. Davis has a splitting headache.
10: But, Miss Brooks, how could a game of checkers disturb Mrs. Davis?
5: Please, Mr. Boynton, if you were lying down with a headache, how would you like to hear someone constantly jumping in the next room? (laughs) Now, we'll just excuse you. But that's the doorbell, isn't it? Maybe Miss Brooks has another engagement, Philip. Perhaps we'd better be leaving. I wouldn't think of letting you budge from this house. Mr. Boynton, I insist that you take your mother into the living room and let her try on her checkerboard, a fruit bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Here, take it with you, dear. There's a wonderful mirror near the piano. Well, if you're sure. Never been surer. Go along, Mr. Boynton.
10: Very well. It's right this way, Mother.
5: Miss Brooks. Walter, what are you doing here? It's 12 hours until breakfast.
8: I have to bring the hat back, Miss Brooks. Aren't you going to ask me in? Not if I can help it. It'll only be a minute. It's important. All right, but please hurry. What's the trouble, Walter? Well, I showed my dad this hat you sold us for a centerpiece, Miss Brooks. And he didn't like it? No, he's crazy about it, but he wants a slight change made. He says if you'll wire it up so we can use it as a lamp, he'll give you an extra three dollars. <laughs>
5: <laughs> if he'll make it five dollars, I'll put in a motor and he can drive it to work. <laughs> Get into the dining room immediately. Take the hat with you, quick. Yeah, but, Mr. I'll explain later. Get going.
8: Okay, but I wish I knew what was happening around here.
9: Good evening, Miss Brooks. Well, I've got my wife's head measurements on this sheet of paper.
5: Thanks, Mr. Conklin. Good night. <laughs>
9: just, just a moment. There are a few things I have to tell you.
5: Yes, sir. Come in.
9: Thank you. I got these measurements from the milliner with whom my wife does quite a large business. She's oh, been going for me, a number of. Uh, Mom would like a drink of water. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Oh,
10: hello,
3: Bartram. I'll get it
5: myself if you just tell me. Oh, I didn't know someone was with you, Connie. Oh, there isn't. It's just Mr. Conklin. (laughs) This is Mrs. Boynton, Mr. Conklin.
9: How do you do, Mrs. What is she doing with my wife's hat on her head? (laughs) Your wife's hat, Mr. Conklin?
5: Phillips? You didn't buy me the same hat Mr. Conklin bought for his wife, did you?
10: Oh, I didn't intend to, Mother. Miss Brooks, what seems to have happened?
5: Shouldn't happen to a sparrow. <laughs> Look, folks, there's been a slight mix-up, but I'm sure it'll come out all right by Mother's Day. After all, there are only two of you wearing the hats, and you won't be seen together anyplace. Well, that's true enough.
9: You do have a point there.
8: There's no air in that dining room, Miss Brooks. I... Oh, I didn't know you had company.
9: Oh, this is Walter Denton,
10: one of our pupils, Mother. Walter, this is my mother.
8: Glad to know you, Walter. Same here, Mrs. Boynton. I, say, what are you doing with my mother's centerpiece on your head?
9: <laughs> your mother's centerpiece, Denton?
8: Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Yeah, my dad and I are going to have it changed into a lamp before we give it to her, though. See, we'll put the wire right through here, and
9: then we'll take... So, the... Miss Brooks,
8: <laughs> my wife
9: and Mrs. Boynton are the only two people with these original creations. I'd give a lot to know just who else is wearing these assembly line specials. Oh, dear.
3: Who is it? <laughs> oh, <no.
9: laughs> what? Is that <laughs> it,
10: it sounded like a horse
5: That's just what it is Our milkman's horse You see, the milkman is sick So the horse is making the rounds alone <laughs> oh, So today, Lucy She's very clever
9: She must be To ring the doorbell by herself <laughs> Miss Brooks, open the door
5: Yes, sir
2: Howdy, Miss
9: Brooks. Yeah.
2: Lucy and I were just eloping by, so I thought I'd show you how nice she looks in her new bonnie. But, Tetch,
5: <laughs> Tetch, you shouldn't have brought her right up to the front door like this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
9: what is going on here? Why is this beast sticking her head...
3: Oh, God! <laughs>
9: my
2: wife and my mother's hat. You mean they got the same hat she sold me for Lucy, Miss Brooks? Yes, Tex, but... Shucks, if I'd have known that, I'd have never bought it. Lucy's a A
5: fanatic fanatic on individualized individualized
2: apparel, I know.
5: (laughs) Miss Brooks, just what do you propose to do about these hats? I'm going to take them out to our backyard and put them up in the tree. A tree? Yes, these hats are strictly for the
3: birds.
4: (laughs) Lee Barton returns in just a moment. Now, the case of the close scrape featuring Arthur Griffin, mail carrier. Here's what Mr. Griffin told us. Listen. Here's exactly what happened. Shaving was just one close scrape after another for me, and then I discovered Palmolive Lather Shave Cream and a new, different way to shave. Palmolive's oceans of rich, thick lather ended my worries about scrapes, burns, and nicks. Why, even in cold or hard water, that Palmolive Lather way is super smooth, super comfortable. Take Arthur Griffin's advice, men. The new Palmolive Lather way gets beards really soft, and it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. You get a clean, close shave every time, without worry about scraping or nicking, even in cold or hard water. Arthur Griffin and 1,200 other men tested palm olive lather cream following package directions, and three out of four reported smoother, more comfortable shaves the palm olive shave cream way. No matter how they shaved before, better get palm olive lather shave cream, remember, even in cold or hard water. The olive lather way means smoother, more comfortable shaves. Now, once again, here is Eve Arden.
3: What
5: would you do to protect your family and yourself in case of a sudden atom bomb attack? It may never happen, but it could. Remember, you can survive an atom bomb attack if you know what to do. Get a copy of the official air raid instructions from your local civil defense organization. Or, write to Superintendent of Documents, Washington, D.C., enclosing five cents in coin or stamps. Learn the instructions by heart, and see that everyone in your family does, too. Be smart. Be prepared.
9: This is Burns. Good morning, the next week one another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Parmite
4: Shave Cream for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring E. Barden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis and Arthur Allsberg, with the music of Wilbur Hatch.
1: Stay tuned for Johnny Dollar next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
4: From
11: Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as and... Johnny Dollar.
12: Jim Madison at Tri-State. How are you?
11: Well, Jim, I'm fine, but what's this I read about you people?
12: You mean the Tollhurst theft, I suppose?
11: Yeah. No progress yet?
12: As a matter of fact, that's why I'm phoning. We tried to get you right after the robbery, but you weren't in.
11: No, I was on a case most of last week.
12: Well, we had a call this morning. It was a woman who said she knew something about the case. Of course, it doesn't necessarily mean anything.
11: What did she say?
12: She wanted me to swear that we wouldn't call the police. And then she said she'd give us time to decide and call back about three.
11: You want me to talk to her if she calls back?
12: Yes, I don't know anything about these things.
11: Are you willing to work without the police?
12: We stand to lose almost $50,000. We'll cut some corners if you will.
4: Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the
11: action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Tri-State Insurance Group, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Tollhurst theft matter. I note here the accepted report of the robbery because, as will be seen, both the police and the press missed a number of details. The Tollhurst fur shop was entered at closing time Saturday evening by three disguised men who, at gunpoint, relieved Mr. Tolhurst of almost $50,000. Answering a radio alarm, the police spotted the getaway cars that left Hartford. And later, south of town, after a running gunfight with another squad car, it was abandoned by the four men who were seen to split up and who escaped into some wooded terrain. That's where it stood. <laughs> Spence account item one, a dollar and a half cab fare from my apartment to the tri-state offices where your Mr. Madison was waiting for me a little before 3 p.m. The second call from his alleged informer came at two minutes after. Yes? Yes, put her on.
12: Hello? Well, I'm glad you did. I have someone here that I want you to talk to. No, no, no. He's not from the police. He's a representative of the company. Just a second.
11: Here she is, darling. Okay. Hello?
6: I don't like this. How do I know you're not from the police?
11: Well, I guess you can't be sure. All I can do is give you our word. And if you do want to talk to us, you'll have to take it.
6: The other man didn't say he was going to have somebody
11: else. He decided he'd rather do it this way. Now, listen for a second. To us, the recovery of the money is more important than having anybody arrested. If we can recover it more easily without going to the police, we're willing to do it. Doesn't that make sense?
3: Maybe,
6: We shall have to come into it sometime. I know that. But also, I know I'm right. I've got my own reasons for going like this, and I know I'm right. I'll take your word for
11: it. And we'll keep it. Now, what is it that you know?
6: I know where one of the men is hiding.
11: Oh? Which one?
6: He's in a hotel in Boston. He's not using his real name, and I can't tell you what it is.
11: You mean you know what it is and can't tell us?
6: I'm a friend of his. That's why I'm calling. He's got to give himself up and get clear of it. That's what you've got to make him do.
11: I will if I can. What name is he using and what's the hotel? I
6: know I'm right. I I know it. But you can't tell him how you found out where he is. You can't say anything about this call.
11: That's a promise, too. I won't.
6: The name he's using is Taft. He's in the Standing Hotel.
11: The Standing. Okay. Anything else? That's all. How do I get in touch with you again?
6: You can't. There's nothing more I can do. Just be careful of him. He's awful desperate. Goodbye.
11: Hmm? She's gone. What do you make of it? It's hard to tell. She says one of them is in a hotel in Boston that I have to make him give himself up and be careful because he's desperate. She could be sincere. If she were just fingering this guy, it seems to me she would have called the police. Then you think it's worth looking into? There's only one way to find out. Follow it up, see what's there. (laughs) item 2, 3,250, car rental and mileage between Hartford and Boston. On the way, I tried to figure ways and means of making an appointment with a hunted armed thug, if that's what he was going to turn out to be. I found the standing hotel on the fringe of the commercial and waterfront section, and a man named Walter Taft was registered there. I staked out his corridor and saw him leave his room at about 7.30 that evening. He came back an hour later. When he put his key into the lock, I was strolling toward him. And when he opened the door, I was behind him. Can you hold it a second? What do you want? I want to talk to you. I don't know. You haven't got time. Well, I'm interested in a man who's registered here under a phony name, Taft. That's my name. Is there anything wrong with it? Well, if it's your real name, then I'm wrong. Have you got anything that says it is? Well, I don't see how it's any of
13: your business, but... Sure, go on in. Thanks. Now, who are you and what do you want?
11: Hmm. I guess the automatic tells me what I came to find out. Who are you? I'm a private detective. The insurance company that stands to lose on the toller's job hired me.
13: That's a lie. You'd have brought the cops if you
11: were. I've got a wallet in my hip pocket. There's a license.
13: So I'll out. reach for it. Just turn around.
11: Sure. You're really jumpy, aren't you?
13: Hey, catch. You don't expect me to swallow this, do you? You were hired by know. Alan Less. So you found me now. What do you think you're going to do with
11: me? You having trouble with your friend? I
13: said, what do you think you're going to do with me?
11: It's going to help if you can convince yourself I'm telling the truth. We want to recover the money, and if you'll help us to do it, we'll try to see that you get a break. Oh,
13: that's a laugh. How would an insurance company find out where I was?
11: Sometimes they get a tip when the police don't. They can pay for information, the police can't.
13: Where would they get a tip
11: from? Somebody here in the hotel that figured something was wrong with you. There are fair descriptions out on you and your buddies for size and color and clothes. Somebody could have spotted you. I can't
13: buy it.
11: It happened. And the tip was right. You might do yourself a lot of good going to the police by yourself.
13: Either you're off your nut or you think I am. Come on, start backing up. What for? Because I'm leaving. Go on, get started.
11: If you were thinking straight, you'd talk it over. You're mixed up in a double cross, so you can't believe anything.
13: That's far enough. Who told you about a double
11: cross? You did? You said you thought I was hired by Alan Les. They were in the job with you, weren't they?
13: All right, turn around. Open the closet door. Turn around. Ooh.
11: By the time I was on my feet again, he'd had at least 20 minutes start. After I cleaned up some in the crummy bathroom and stopped the bleeding. I looked the place over. There was nothing in it. He'd obviously checked in without anything but the clothes he'd been wearing and the automatic. That was all at the standing hotel. I drove back to Hartford and phoned Mr. Madison at home. I'm sorry,
12: Donnie.
11: Are you all
12: right?
11: Yeah, I'm not complaining. Just telling you what happened. I guess I asked for it, bullying in like that, but I couldn't think of another way to get to him alone and get to the point in a hurry. Well, do
3: you
11: think you should have called the police? I didn't for two reasons. They'd just be sore at us for not reporting the girl's call to them earlier. And I hated to cross her at this point, in case she might come back to us with some more information.
12: Well, I guess we aren't any worse off than we were before she called, are we?
11: No, we made a little progress. We know there's trouble between the men. We're fairly sure they're all still in this part of the country, and we have a couple of first names. And if you want me to stay on the case, there's another angle I'd like to look into. What's that, Johnny? From the beginning, it's bothered me that a furrier would have that much money in his store, no matter how fancy. Well,
12: he said he hadn't banked for four days.
11: It's still too much money. I suppose the police have covered it, but a thing like that could develop into a lead. All right, let's try it. Good, I'll go see Tollhurst in the morning. Maybe I can handle him without getting myself slugged.
1: Of course, of course. I'm at your service.
11: Thanks, Mr. Tolhurst. I know you've answered a lot of questions already. Yes, I have. So I won't drag you through the the details of the actual theft again. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Now, the amount of money you lost, almost $50,000.
1: That question again, why did I have that much in my shop? I have answered that question every possible way without smearing my own good name. The police have driven me mad.
11: I'd like to have the answers, too. Very well. Don't most of your customers purchase with checks, Mr. Tolhurst, or on credit? No, they do not. I'd think that they would.
1: Because you don't understand. The fur business, even more than the jewelry business, is concerned with making beautiful women more beautiful. Don't you agree? Sure I do. Well, hope this doesn't come as a shock to you that there are many, many more wealthy husbands than there are beautiful wives. As opposed to women, that is. So, uh, who would you expect these wealthy husbands to buy the furs for?
11: Yeah, I see what you mean. Cash purchases, too, mm-hmm. huh?
1: Precisely. If Wifey doesn't get the coat, she'd better not run across a check paying for one. The fur would fly, you might say.
11: But almost 50000 in one week, that's a, a lot of intrigue.
1: One sable was worth thirty-five, And if the name of the purchaser became known, it could literally endanger the national security. I really mean that. It would be discussed from the floor of the Senate. What can I do? There's no record at all of these sales? Barely enough to keep my books legal. i have rather specialize in this cash-and-carry trade... If I was strapped to the rack, I couldn't name these men. I'm helpless. I think the insurance company might be able to fight your
11: claim because of the stand you're taking. Had you thought of that?
1: Oh. No, I hadn't. Well, it makes no difference. I'm completely helpless. Unless a member of the board or somebody is an old customer of mine. And that is possible, you know. Hmm.
11: I tried a few more approaches on Tollhurst without getting any place. I didn't fully believe him, but I did have to admit that business dealings like that were possible. I left the shop a little after 11 and went to my apartment to call in a report on this phase of the deadlock. My phone was ringing when I got there. Hello? Hello? Can't
3: they
11: help me? What? I, I can't hear you. Who is it? Yesterday... You're the woman I talked to yesterday? Yes.
6: You didn't help.
11: What's the matter with you? What happened?
6: They were here.
11: Where are you? Where are you?
6: Stoddard.
11: Stoddard Street? Yes. What number?
6: 5860.
11: 5860. An apartment number?
6: Number 12.
11: All right. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Dollar, I'm coming in.
6: They went after Fred. Gotta go help him.
11: Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you talking about? The men called Al I don't know them.
6: First, they said I had the money and they beat me. One of them held my mouth so I couldn't scream and the other one hit me.
11: Do you know where the money is? No.
6: No, they wouldn't believe me. Then they made me tell them where
11: Fred is. Fred is the man I saw last night at the standing hotel? Yeah.
6: I can't keep quiet for him anymore. His name is Fred Terrell.
11: And he's holding out the money.
6: That's what they said. They said they'd kill him if they had to. And
11: they look for him at the standing. They won't find him. He left there last night.
6: I know. He called. I tried to lie that he was still there, but they phoned him and found out he wasn't. And they started in again until I told them. He, he moved to an auto court, and that's where they're going. Where is it? I'm not sure between here and Boston. But I think it's in the States. It's called the Oak Springs Motel. I tried to warn him, but whoever answered hung up because they couldn't hear what I was saying. I couldn't talk. What's your name? Virginia Cowley.
11: Well, How do you fit into this? How much do you know about the robbery?
6: Nothing. I didn't know about it until afterwards. Red's car was here. He came to get it and said everything had gone wrong and he was in bad trouble.
11: Well, we all are. You should have told the police, and I should have. Promise a no. I'm going to call them now and hope I can fight my way clear of this mess. Where's the telephone? Uh
4: With our star, Edmund O'Brien, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
11: In an attempt to help what was left of my position with the police, the first thing I told them about was the possibility of nailing the 300 men together, but that backfired too. It took me 20 minutes to learn that the Oak Springs Motel was about 12 miles south of town, and it took me another 15 minutes to get there. Two squad cars were in the driveway, and that looked all right. But when I got to the cottage where Lieutenant Crockett and the other officers were, things looked all wrong. The bodies of two men lay on the floor. Neither one was Fred Sorrell. Who are you? My name is Dollar, Lieutenant. Oh, yeah. Sorrell did this? Seems to be some confusion about the name. The cottage was rented by an A.J. White. Sorel was hiding out under a couple of aliases. Too bad we didn't have that information. I didn't know who he was until a half hour ago when I called you. They were already dead a half hour ago. Is there some reason you couldn't have found out 20 minutes before that? Yeah, I didn't happen to be any place this collie woman could get a hold of me. She's the one you just got around to turning in? That's right. First time I'd even seen her. First time I knew where she lived. First time I knew anything about her. I've done the same thing before and it's worked out. This time it didn't. What do you mean? An anonymous call. She said she had information about the Tollhurst robbery that she couldn't give to you. She gave it to me in confidence, and I played it that way. You're still playing it that way? No, no. I'll give you everything I've got, which, which still isn't much. Let's go back to town, then, where we can get a real statement. Um, Henderson, take over here,
13: will you? I'm going back to the office. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs>
11: I didn't score very heavily with the lieutenant. He listened to my story point by point. But as he mentioned, actually, the only useful thing I gave him was a slightly better description of Sorrel than he'd gotten from the manager of the Auto Court. I don't know what to think about it, dollar. I know you guys
4: figure you can operate that way and maybe at work sometime. Sure, people will talk to you when they won't talk to us. But you're always taking a chance that it'll get out of hand like this did.
11: This one was out of hand from the beginning. And it's turned into murder now. You aren't blaming me for that, are you? No, but I want you to leave the case alone from here on. Stay away from a Cowley woman.
4: Stay away from everything.
11: Does that mean I can go now?
4: Yeah. Might be a good idea if you went home and brushed up on a little police work.
11: You're really digging it in, aren't you, Lieutenant? You've got it coming. Go on now. I've got to get back on this thing. I knew my license was probably at stake. But Crockett's attitude, right or wrong, was more than I could take. Virginia Cowley had been put in the police hospital, suffering from internal injuries caused by the beating. I went back to her address, lied my way past the landlady, and into the apartment. From a notebook on the telephone stand, I learned that Sorrell lived in Princeton. That was my next stop.
12: Fred Sorrell? Yeah, he still lives here. I haven't seen him some time now. Seems to me he's out of town.
11: Ah. I came all the way up from New York just to see him. You suppose I could get into his place, leave a note or something?
12: Well, why don't you just go up and see if the other fellow's there? Name a hacker. Oh, a roommate? Yeah, you could leave a note with him.
11: Oh, good. How do I get
12: there? Second floor, rear. Numbers 210.
3: <laughs>
11: of Sorrell's. I've got to see you. Yeah, he's
14: sleeping in this joint. What's the matter with that jerk, anyway?
11: Fred, when did you hear from him last?
14: A couple of days ago. He in some kind of trouble. He sure is. Wanted to borrow some money from me, the lazy jerk. Told him to go take a jump or get a job, one or both. He wanted to borrow money. Yeah, yeah. wanted me to mail him fifty bucks. What's the matter with him, anyway? You know. Yeah.
11: Yeah, he's done it up pretty good. Have you heard about the Tollhurst robbery? What are you handing me? You know a couple of his friends called Al and Les somebody? Hey, who are you anyway? Uh, yeah, Detective.
14: You are telling me Fred's mixed up in nothing as big as the Tollhurst thing. He ain't got the brains.
11: He hasn't if he has to write you for 50 bucks after he pulled it. What about Al and Les? Yeah.
14: Les Vernick and Al Hutchins.
11: I met them, but that's all. I left out of town. Darren, it too, huh? Hey, you ain't pulling my leg, are you? No. Did he write you from Boston by any chance? The Standing Hotel? Using the name Walter Taft? That's right. I knew those guys are no good, and I told him so. He was always talking big money. I never thought he had the guts for anything like that. Don't congratulate him. He built it up to murder today. Oh, quit it. It must have been Alan Less. You'll read about it. But for now, take my word for it. There was a double cross, or they figured there was. They were both shot, and Sorrell is still on the loose. This is straight. He wouldn't come here, would he? I don't know what he'd do. Must be half crazy by now. Can you think of any place else he might go? He's got a girl he mooches off all the time. Yeah, I know about her. He wouldn't go there, not now. He'd want a place to hide out. He was driving his car so he could travel for some distance, but not far. If he's thinking at all, he'll know he has to get rid of it. Oh no. I'm not holding nothing back. If a guy does anything like this, he doesn't
14: deserve help from anybody.
11: By this time, he probably thinks he does.
14: You don't think it would pull his old lady into the mess, do you? You might. Where is she? She's got a farm. I never saw it, but he talked about it once in a while. Little place she runs with an old guy helping her. It ain't far from here. Do you know where it is? Somewhere west. Hey, uh, that's her picture. I think the name of the town is on it. Down here in the corner. I just remembered. I noticed
11: it. Tarrington. Sure, I know where that is. About 25 miles. I'd like to look at some of the rest of his stuff, if you don't mind.
14: Go ahead. this is as bad as you say it is, you can do anything you want. If you don't mind, I'm going to move out until this is cleared up. I don't want that crazy jerk to be coming back here while I'm around.
11: Nothing in Sorrel's things gave a hint as to where he'd be likely to go. But to stay on the move more than for any other reason, I decided to cover the farm. And to stay on the safe side, I stopped by my apartment to pick up a pocket bag.
3: You
11: got business here? Well, it's a sort of a social call. Mrs. Sorrell here? No, she, she went to town. What you went with her? I was passing through. I know a son. I thought I'd stop by. Oh, you're a policeman, then. What makes you say that? We heard about Frederick. At
15: least some of us did. We kept it from Mrs. Sorrell. That's why we sent him to town. We don't want that poor soul to learn about him until it's all finished.
11: Did you think he'd come here? How much do you know about it?
15: Uh, somebody heard on the radio about the murders. You think he'd be hidden here?
11: Not exactly, but every possibility has to be covered.
15: Yeah, he'd never come here. He wouldn't be turned out by his mother, but the rest of us would make short work of him. You're
11: welcome to search the place if you choose to. Has he been in touch with Mrs. Sorrell through this thing?
15: Nobody's been in touch with Mrs. Sorrell. She don't read her own mail or papers either because she's blind. She don't listen to the radio or talk on the telephone because she's, she's nearly deaf. Frederick is a rotten apple that hasn't been allowed back here for three years. And she doesn't know about him? Not for almost that whole time. Oh, yeah. She thinks he's a big success in the hardware business. And we've talked about it already. We we think he's gonna start a business in Australia. And his mother will think he's there until she dies.
11: And you ain't gonna tell her any different. I don't see why I should.
15: Yeah? Wanna search the place?
11: No, I don't want to. But... As long as I'm here. Sorrell wasn't there, and by the time I left, I was made to feel like a criminal myself for looking the place over. By the time I got back to Hartford, the extras were out saying, widespread search fails to uncover killer. And something that had been bothering me came to mind again. Why, with a $50,000 haul, hadn't Sorrell gotten out of New England? A few more questions fell into line, too. How could an amateur like Sorrell escape a full-fledged police search? And why would he even think of a double-cross on his first job? And finally, why, after running out of Boston, would he have come back to an auto court 12 miles south of Hartford? I covered the final point and learned that the Oak Springs Motel was within a few miles of the point where he and the other two men had abandoned their car and taken off on foot.
12: I thought I told you to stay away from this case.
11: You can't take away my right to make a living, Lieutenant. I found his car is not worth anything.
4: How do I know what
11: it's worth? It's something you haven't done with all your roadblocks. I'm five minutes away from his car, and I think he'll come back to it as soon as it starts to get dark. Can't you take a chance on it and have a few men out there?
12: All my men are busy. I'll see what I can do.
11: It's less than an hour till dark. I hope you make it. I'd come back to the auto court and then found the approximate spot where Sorell and his friends had left their car. I'd found a pair of ruts winding through the trees, and where they'd stopped, I'd found his car. When I got back to it after talking with Lieutenant Crockett, I put my car under as much cover as I could find and waited. I was still there alone when the sun started to set. And then I heard him before I saw him.
13: Yo, what are you doing here?
11: Don't try for the gun, Sorell. I've got one, too, this time. What are you doing here? I've been almost every place else. doesn't make any difference to you that I'm here. There's no place for you to go anyway. You've been safe here in the trees. But you couldn't get any place else. I
13: could make it if I wanted
11: to. No, you couldn't. You missed when you didn't make it before everybody knew who you were. Right after you pulled the job, yes, but not now. You must have realized that. I can make it. Not now. Why didn't you go any farther than Boston. Why did you come back to Hartford? I had my reasons. You still got them? What do you mean? You killed Les Vernick and Al Hudson and then came right back here to the trees. I don't think you double-crossed them. I don't think you even got the money beyond this grove.
13: You know where it is?
11: No, I don't, Sorrell. That's only what I think. And you had to kill them because all they could figure was that you double-crossed
13: them. You want to help me? You want to? It's here, all of it.
11: It's too late to help. You
13: killed them. But it's all here. $50,000. I came down the road and then... Then I turned that way. That's when they were shooting at us. I was carrying the money, but... I, I was excited. Alan, Alan, Les went that way, and I came this way. I, I'm sure it was here. But, yeah, I remember that big tree. I went past it. I,
11: I'm sure. You could find $200,000 and it wouldn't do you any yes, good. Yes, it
13: would. You could buy anything with money, and it's, it's all here. I, I know it was here because I ran on this road, and... And this is where... This is where the road ends. And I, I went past that tree, and... I, I can just remember how far I went. Because I... I put it down, and I, I covered it over with some leaves. If I just saw them, I'm sure I'd remember. Sorrel. I know where it is. If I, but,
11: hey, what are you... I want your gun, sir. Oh, get away
13: from me! Get away! Quit it! No! It's all here. It's all here, and I'm going to get it. Now, get away from me! Get away, you... All right, Get Sorrel. away! All right! <laughs>
11: item three, extra mileage, etc., $43.60. Expense account total, $77.60. Remarks. A police searching party finally found the satchel of missing money, so the company is not out. Lieutenant Crockett and I finally got together, so I'm not out. The girl is nothing. So it leaves Sorel, who really lost his mind over money, and the furrier Tollhurst, who didn't lose anything, not even that universal customer, the wealthy American husband. Yours truly Johnny Dollar.
4: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Paramount Pictures Technicolor production, Silver City. Featured in tonight's cast were Parley Bear, Virginia Gregg... Stacey Harris, Bob Sweeney, Herb Butterfield, Clayton Post, and Howard McNear. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.